Alley Cat. And I'm the infamous twin. And you're now rocking with the culture. Culture. I mean, ladies and gentlemen, we have some beautiful people of color with us on this panel today. And I would like to start with Mrs. Kim Pullins, first lady. How you doing, Kim? Hi, how you guys doing? Um, my name is Kimberly Pullings. I'm a retired police sergeant from the Metropolitan Transportation Authority Police, uh, which is the MJ Police. And I am currently now pastoring with my husband. I've been retired now for over 10 years. Um, and we've just been serving and pastoring here in Jacksonville, Florida. Okay, okay. Um, introduce yourself, lovely lady, Miss Raleen. Hi, am I saying it right? You're saying it pretty good. My name is Raleen Moses. I'm a retired assistant chief from New York City Department of Correction. I'm presently a, a professor at John Jay College, where I teach uh, the law and, and, and the treatment of, uh, and, the, and treatment. And um, I've been retired now for two years. Yes. <laughs> Everybody get the oh, clap for retirement. Yes. Hey. Okay. Now that's okay. a blessing. Uh, to retire, that's a blessing. retirement up as you can. <laughs> oh, that's a blessing. Y'all still look young too. <laughs> we we got our we got our political analyst, Nathaniel Hezekiah. Come on, come on, break it down for those. Who uh, yes, um, I'm Nathaniel Hezekiah. I have ten years of experience working in the federal government, uh, which I currently am in now, and I'm a black man in America. Thank you, thank you. And yeah. last but not least, my main <laughs> man Kareem Harso. Please tell him who you are and what you do for a living. Yes, uh, I want to start off uh, very similar to Daniel. Very first, I'm a, a black man in America. Um, but I've also been an, an adjunct professor uh, here in New York City for the last 10 years. And I also uh, teach with middle school and high school students through the Department of Education. Been doing that for the last five years. Um, you know, I teach um, uh, entrepreneurship and social media marketing at um, Monroe College, Metropolitan College in New York, and uh, City College, some of the uh, different colleges here in New York that I've taught at, and um, I'm just really, really passionate about mentoring our young men and uh, getting prepared for them um, through through the, the DOE of public school. I teach at the, the Eagle Academy for Young Men in Harlem, and um, which is an all-boys uh, school, uh, mostly young men of color, uh, so I'm, I'm just very, very uh, happy to be part of this panel. Okay, okay. I mean, you're a little modest because you teach young men of color at um, the Eagle Academy in Harlem. I mean, am I saying it right? Yeah, the, the Eagle Academy for Young Men of Harlem. That's, um, you know, the, the, we actually just had um, our first graduating class on Saturday. So I'm, uh, you know, I'm, I'm really just um, you know, proud of our young men that literally just graduated. And, um, you know, it's been a, a, a very interesting um, I guess, end of this school year where we had to, you know, educators had to like get into remote learning and, um, you know, in, a, in addition to dealing with the uh, pandemic and uh, police brutality, like th th there's just been all sorts of uh, challenges that our young men and their families have been faced with. Um, and they, they literally, uh, for our seniors, literally just graduated on Saturday. So I'm very proud of them. And, and uh, you know, it's, it's just really was a, a, an amazing last few months of dealing with, uh, you know, some of the emotions and really just, you know, being someone that I know a lot of my, my, my young men, young teenagers uh, come to for different advice and, and to talk to and to give them real talk. Um, so I've been able to, to play that role and it's been very, very gratifying and interesting. 
Congratulations, brother. Congratulations. Okay, so Love now, it. now we gonna start right now. I'm gonna leave it. I'm gonna hand the mic over to Twin so he could give us the topic <laughs> of discussion and do the mediation for us today. First of all, I want to say, man, I'm just glad we got more women on the show. I love the tranquility. I need more of that. Um, I know Kareem, I know Nathaniel. Thank you, brothers, once again, uh, joining us today. Um, the topic today is, is about uh, the cataclysmic um, failures of government systems. So if we want to talk about different areas of where we feel need extreme improvement on, and um, I'm glad we got a diverse panel today because I got paper. I take notes. I listen. <laughs> so anything I hear new from my brothers and sisters, I jots it down. So, so I'm looking forward to this panel, and I'm looking forward to doing many more after this. Trust me, um, because y'all got the expertise, y'all got the experience, and, and, and most importantly, um, y'all look like us. So that's very important. It encourages me, you know, because myself, I didn't finish college myself. So it encouraged me when I hear Kareem doing what he's doing. And the thing you've been in the game for 10 years and, and, and y'all retired and y'all still look young. So I'm very encouraged by this panel today. And I just want to say thank you to start with. And I mean, um, so going from there, the topic of the discussion, I mean, we can start, let's start, we can start from the education system. Yeah. Just go all the way across the board. Uh, well, I, I mean, I, I, I just want to acknowledge one thing, and I think that uh, this is something that will be able to kickstart everybody and invite everybody in the conversation, um, because we're simply right now, we're on this panel, and we are communicating through Zoom, um, and this platform, you know, and the, the, the technology and the speed that everybody, no matter what profession you're in, had to, like, really self-educate and get themselves on board with how to operate technology to communicate has been an amazing thing. So I, I, I think that that's something that I, that I, that I really want to address um, as far as, you know, New York City and just, just everybody when you talk about, um, you know, the, the DOE and the response uh, and the ability, for example, to get, you know, uh, laptops and, and, and iPads to, to uh, you know, to, to young, to our youth that didn't have and, you know, the, you know, the ability to, um, for, for everybody involved to kind of hit the learning curve of how do I operate on these online platforms? Um, I, I, I mean, I'm speaking for myself, obviously, and a lot of my colleagues and the people that I interact with, like, we really had to hit the ground running and we, 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 we really had to, um, you know, kind of say, hey, you know what, we're going to tackle technology and we're going to, we got, we got to keep the ball rolling. We got to keep mentoring. We got to keep grooming our, our youth and we got to keep contributing to society using technology. And that's something that we all were forced to do, whether you are, uh, you know, working or whether you are a parent and you have children that were going through the school system through remote learning and you had to like pick up the speed. And, and I just want to applaud everybody because at the end of the day, we all had to do that and you know i can I, I can speak from a perspective of saying that i was pretty technologically savvy if you will but the response of everybody saying hey you know what in order for us to to reach our youth and education and to say hey we got to meet them where they are we have to embrace technology and that was something that i believe that we that that we all did um and what i what i want to point out is that with that said I, I, I'm a firm believer in that everything happens for a reason. One of the things was that while everybody was home 
and had the had the ability to pay attention, whether it was to the news or to social media or to, to, to educate themselves on technology, we were exposed to things. And now we're at a point where there has to be a certain response. So I am specifically proud of how uh, for example, like the um, you know, Department of Education and how everybody in education responded to having to, to force themselves to be online and still to interact and be engaged with our youth. That's something that we had to do as a people. Now, the challenge that I want to put out there and what I think is relevant for this discussion is what can the government do or what systems in place, what can the people that are in position, what can they do? to help this process as we all are trying to navigate some of these technological platforms and new ways of communicating. And this is, this is what I think is really, really important because a lot, of, a lot of our people, a lot of people of color didn't have access to certain uh, technical devices before, you know, before the pandemic went down. Or all right, now, hold on, hold on. Can I, can I interject on that? Yes. Because now that you're saying that, I'm glad because I want to go to the DOC because now that they're giving us this technological technological equipment and to work and, and, and to push further, is that really the um, thing for us to push further? Because in the projects, they're giving free internet. Yep. Queensbridge projects, they gave them free internet and they stopped the shooting for a little while. Um, and now mm -hmm. I hear in um, the Department of Corrections, especially on Rackers Island, they're giving them um, Game Boys and, 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 and um, iPads. I'm, I'm hearing, I'm not sure. I know you retired for two years, but I, I know you're probably still in the youth. You're on mute. You're on mute, yeah. Unmute yourself. You gotta unmute yourself, nobody you here. I'll do it. Okay. Gotcha, okay. There we go. So I'll say this, number one, that didn't just start them giving out iPads and then giving out the, the Game Boys and all that. That did not just start, however, the problem is when something good like that happens, to, in my opinion, <laughs> and I was up there and I was in those rooms when it was happening, it was for show, right? That's what you want to do, it was for show, which is one of the reasons why, you know, <laughs> I, I, I took an exit because I'm, I'm, I'm not about talking, I'm, I'm about doing. And sometimes that's not, what, that's not what it's all about. It's about the talk, but I'm about the walk too. So. When I when they were giving out the the iPads and the Game Boys, I was I was I was very against the games because I don't think I didn't think our kids needed more time playing games, right? When I had the adolescents, I didn't think it was time for them to play games. I think I thought that it was time for them to learn about about the iPads and all the things that you have all those apps. It's not just about the games on the apps. There's a whole bunch of apps, and you know you're using five percent of the of the iPad. <laughs> so I've had 100%. So you're using 5% with your games. So so now, what they're saying that, I think, so are, are, they, are, are they really trying to teach the children to make it start from school? Because they say school is either you go two places from school, either you go to corporate America, or how they say the military, or you go to jail. And when in jail, don't you feel they're making it comfortable by giving them Absolutely. these children iPads to say, okay, get in trouble. I can get an iPad. I can still be in contact with the world. You can still be up. on the internet. You can still be on Facebook and all of that. So I was, and still am, I was very interactive with my, with my, um, with my population, I'm going to say. I came from the hood, and I was, I was of the hood, and I just fit right in. 
So, but I didn't, I'm not one of those people that's going like, oh, come on and let's, let's walk together and, and kumbaya, because the, the struggle is real. And so every time we send in messages that uh, we, we're, we're pacifying them, they're not part of the, they're not part of the, 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 the solution. Because you giving them a Game Boy is not part of helping, helping them get better. It's part of showing them just what they've been doing before they got here. So I was a little rough with my guys, and they loved me for it. Because they were the ones, when I was in the adolescence, they were passing. There's a, there's a lot of, of correction staff, and I'm not talking about correction officers only, and, and captains. They're, you know, un, un, the untold story is that there's more good than bad, okay? There's those teachers that were teaching them. Teachers that came from the Board of Ed Education were coming to the schools, and they were busting their tails trying to get these kids um, educated and GEDs. And I watched them. And it's just a matter of stop playing with them. Stop acting like they, they're not growing up. They, I tell my sons, I got two 17-year-old boys. They're twins. I don't play with them. I take their head off real quick. Because guess what? The, this world that I provided for you is not real. Okay, the real world is out there. So this soft place you land in is not real. And that's the same message I was giving to them when I was in the, in the facilities. Okay, you want, you want to play games. Guess what? You ain't going to be 17 forever. You ain't going to be that cute little boy forever. In two minutes, everybody that looks at you going to see you as a problem. Mm. The mothers, the women, the, the, the government, the police, everybody's going to see you as a problem. So you need to get real with, with what, you, what you're getting ready to go through. How long are we gonna play this game? I'm 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 not into um into pacifying both men or women. You know, I struggle it's too real and 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 you and how long are we gonna do it? So Un unapologetically. <laughs> okay, I shouldn't have got passion. I'm sorry. And, uh, you just I know what it is out there, y'all. All of her passion, though. I do. I love I it. Yeah. About how many times that we had to deal with a lot of the youth coming in and a lot of them were coming in from group homes, but I remember I, I mean, we all have family members that were a part of the penal system at some point. Um, and one of the things that I remember is that we went up to, I think it was Elmira for, for graduation. One of um, my cousin's uh, father, he uh, graduated from college with a bachelor's degree. He now works for the government. He was doing fed time, but he's out. He works for the government mm. because he did the things that he needed to do while he was there to change his life to get out they don't want them to change their lives and they don't realize that they're not getting that what they're doing is just helping you to become a recidivist and working with dfy prior to me even going into the police department i used to work for juvenile justice there at pyramid on 161st street in the bronx and what a lot of people don't realize is that when you put the kids don't understand because they're kids they're thinking from a kid's mentality. I think about when I was their age. I didn't want to hear nothing from nobody. You could tell me anything. I knew everything, right? But the problem becomes is that now you become a problem for everyone else because of the stuff that you're doing that you know is not helpful to you. And no one's showing you how to get out. We got taught how to get out. No one's showing them how to get out. And sorry, men, y'all are not stepping up to, your, to, to where y'all supposed to be in those areas because they need the men too they don't just need women they need a balance god created a balance that's how i look at it he created a man he created a woman there needs to be balance in the household there needs to be balance and i'm not just saying it because i'm a pastor because that's you know okay I, I came up from a single parent household but guess what i needed a father 
<laughs> period. I mean, as much as we can sit here and play these games back and forth, they understand exactly what they're doing. They're creating their environment to keep them coming back. Hey, we, we go out there, we're doing the same thing. When we come in here, it's the same thing. What I do at home is no different than what I do when I come in here. So, system so systematically, the system is, is, is broken. Since they've been broken. It's okay. been broken. We know it's been broken in the black home, you know, even from way back before I was even thought of. Right, exactly. Um, they said with the welfare and saying that the black That's man... I wanted to say household, that. So it's nothing but yeah. broken homes. Yeah, let, so, let's dive into the welfare about, you know, how they allow the black man in the home if the right. woman getting a check. You know, right, she's exactly. Check, you know, because exactly. uh, talk about family, I would like Nathaniel to definitely, like, uh, uh, broaden that for me a little bit. Uh, when he created welfare in the 60s, um, we suffered the most from it, right, Nathaniel? We still suffer from it. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> You're of this. I mean, in all honesty, a, a, there's never been a majority of people of color on welfare. That that's the reality. I mean, this that's this right. stereotype this stereotype that has been uh, narrated, and I think purposely pushed through the '80s with the uh, welfare queen, who who was characterized by Ronald Reagan at the time, who had six kids and lived in an apartment by herself and had to be taken care of. That was a stereotype that had been perpetuated through society, which illustrated that uh, black women relied on welfare to get through the difficult times. But in reality, um, <clears throat> from the 60s to now, um, a majority of people of color, blacks, Latinos, Asians, are not on public assistance. So the perception in, in all of the data speaks to that, but the perception is that, that people of color are thriving off of public assistance. And, and, that, and that's not the truth. Um, it's mostly what's in middle, middle America um, that is desperately underneath the poverty line and, and people who also in, in conjunction with that, these are people who also work, go to jobs that don't pay them enough to actually uh, have a living wage and so they have to rely on welfare to help supplement some of the the ways that they have in the home. So it's and, and, not all. And the thing you're absolutely right because mm -hmm. when, you, when you said the wages, right? There's racism also behind the minimum wage thing too, right? Because when they implemented minimum wage, and I think 1938, there was a boom in the economy in the early 1940s, right? Because you know the minimum wage wasn't that different between a white and a black young man that was working. A lot of our youth can't get jobs today. So they wander the streets. They wander out there, you know, trying to figure out what to do. But um, what do you think about minimum wages? And since the fact that they went up on minimum wages, which causes a lot of us not to get these jobs? Well, minimum wage uh, in New York, I think it's $15 now. Mm -hmm. It took a progressive step up to $15. And that's speaking for New York City. There's other regions that aren't at $15 because that's not where the minimum wage when, I'm in but, one. I'm but in one. then, but then also um, in other states, there are certain there are several states that has not that have not increased the minimum wage. So you have to look at what's going on in that state as far as the state government composition, um, who's advocating for the fifteen dollar minimum wage or even more of a minimum wage, and how that dynamic is being spread throughout. Uh, is this something that is a concentration of the people in the, in the state, or is this something that's somewhere on the back burner of, of somebody, some legislator's desk that they've been pushing this for years, but it hasn't been brought forward to light for a committee vote or a vote 
of a full body of government. So there's a there's a there's a larger context here. And also in, in the federal government, I know that there's a, a federal minimum wage that has been pushed by several individuals in the Senate and several individuals in the House for them to elevate the federal minimum wage. But because of what the current the current government structure is, whereas um, a lot of bills that have passed through the House of Representatives have been stalled in the United States Senate because of that dynamic of Democrats holding the House and Republicans holding the Senate, and then also Republicans holding the presidency. Um, uh, those bills that may have come out to elevate what the minimum federal minimum wage is um, have fell on deaf ears in the Senate because they haven't moved forward in pushing the bills for a full vote. Can I say something? Yes. When yes. you talk about the minimum wage. So just just uh, some fun facts that California is a place that if you if there's a place if there is a a a firm or organization that hire more than about six people they have to pay them fifty thousand dollars. That's the minimum wage, right? Mm -hmm. If you if you work any place that's a huge, they cannot pay you like they pay fifteen dollars here, right? So all over the world is different. But more importantly to me than the middle minimum wage is to get people who are getting minimum wage to like change, to teach them on something that's gonna really make money that they won't be looking for something for minimum wage. We have to educate the kids, educate these people, educate people who don't have to do something different. Like they got, and I hear people saying that people kind of get mad about it. They got coding and they got, uh, driving, they got all these other things that we, we we need to start teaching people that anybody can do it, but we have to teach them. So when when I think of the minimum wage, it just upsets me. I don't want to know about the minimum wage. I want us to do something that we don't have to look for minimum wage. I like mean, we, we to do well, I think, Yeah, I think a lot of people look for minimum wages because a lot of it is fear. Some of it, yes. people don't realize that a lot of the stuff that we have going on is rooted in fear because of the simple fact of how we've been beat down as a, as a yes. people. So, you know, even for me, when I first came out, I dropped out of high school at 16 years old. So, you know, and I thought I knew everything. I was big, bad, and grown. I knew everything. I could do whatever I wanted to do. I had a good job. I was working in Macy's. I wasn't working minimum wage back then because they weren't owned by Federated back then. They were still owned by the family. But the thing was, it was just different. It was just a different mindset. I had to do the work. And I think that's the problem. I think some people don't realize that there's work involved. It, had, it took me to get to where I am today. It took work. I, I didn't just come off of welfare. I didn't just come out of just being in a shelter and things like that. Those are things I had to work through to get to where I am today. So I went from welfare to six figures. And the only way you could do that is doing the work. I mean, and don't be afraid. And don't I mean, be afraid. And don't I mean, be afraid. You, gotta, you have we, to be. We can, we, we can say do the work. We can say do the work, but a lot of us are still mentally enslaved. Um, what I mean by mentally enslaved, some of us don't know better, so we don't do better. You know, the, you know, we have various generations on this panel and a lot of us have, all, all of us on this panel have experienced the crack epidemic and it hit, it hit the urban communities hard. Um, so, the, and, I, and I said this in a couple of shows we had, um, the children never had nobody to tell them right from wrong. So even if they was wrong, they were still right in their mind. So once again, we would have to go back to the educational system, which the educational right. system, the educational system in the urban community was set up to fail. Um, in the sense of like they still have um, somewhat of segregation. 
with, within the um, educational system when you have the, um, the charter schools. Um, me and Nathaniel had this conversation before. Um, me, and, me, and, um, me and Kareem had this conversation about um, the charter schools, you know, and how they, they, um, they take them and they implement programs and don't even tell the parents about the programs and how the programs actually are supposed to be ran or driven. Yeah. And it, they'll tell you a whole different side of the program. But, and have you, go ahead. Well, I just want to ask you about the segregation part. Would segregation be so bad if the school system was still teaching exactly the same in every school? You, you understand uh, what I'm saying? I'm saying well, that. Well, a charter school, well, 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 I believe, see, now I'm glad we're doing this because I, I like this. I want this to get a little heated here. And this topic of discussion, I want my child to have the same education as the next child. Right. And in and, and, and a charter school, they go by lottery. They go by numbers. And if you if your brother got in there, you lucky if you can get in there because your brother's in there, so you might get in there faster. Um, but then you can break it down to me. Um, Kareem Hussle can break it down. Yeah, well, I, I just wanted to also speak to, um, I mean, you, when, you, when you talk about the, the charter school system, uh, obviously, I mean, you're bringing in a lottery, but you're, you're also talking about, um, you know, parents that are engaged and active. And that's, a, that's another huge issue when we're, when we're talking about- Now, the, I, can uh, interject, the, I can interject on that because it's a lot of parents okay. that are not active, but they still want their kid in the charter school and put them in there and don't interact. And once again, I have dealt with this firsthand. Yeah, I have children. No, no, I you have children of the ages of eleven Ali, and three. You, you're absolutely right. But um, so to what Kareem is saying, the charter schools is thriving, definitely in New York City right now, especially yes. in Harlem. Yeah, and, and, and let me let me let me finish. Let me finish. No, what I'm let saying is they because they thriving. Hold on, uh -huh. they're thriving. But mm -hmm. how they're thriving is by failure. They'll feel, if a student fails, yeah. they'll replace them that chair. So let's not start that. You know, yeah, yeah, true. So I want, I want to, I want to, um, I want to touch on, I want to touch on that as well because you're absolutely right. And there are certain things that charter schools can do, uh, like you mentioned, like yeah, if the student is failing, then there are measures oh, to get. But that's why I want to. So it don't impact the numbers. But, but let me hold on, hold on, Kareem, because okay. you're about to touch on something that y'all did not let me finish. No, let me go into this before we keep. No, 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 elaborate. Before we keep in, let me elaborate more. Mm -hmm. elaborate because elaborate. Achievement First is a charter school in New York City. Achievement First runs by the STEP program. It's a, it's a, um, I think it's a five-step program, and they see where the child's literacy is, and they strengthen where they're weak at. Um, and I've watched them tell parents the whole program backwards, and that's how they was going to feel their child. I was one of them parents that was in there every day sitting with my child, and once again, when I come in there and I, and I started speaking, it was like I was the elephant in the room. So some deans will walk in and say, hey, how you doing? Okay, I got to go. He's, he's in here. Um, they're teaching our child systematically to still fail because it's all about a budget. And charter schools have their budget and they can do what they want with their budget. So let's, let's be honest. Let's not kid. Let's not hold no punches. Let's be honest. They, they still do the same thing that the public schools do. Now, you do have a lot of parents that engage with the teachers and go forth like myself, but I also engage for the other children. Because you know why? When that, that teacher, and I told this to a principal, Principal Z in Achievement First in Brooklyn, East New York. I told her, when you leave and you go back to that home in Connecticut or Long Island, 
I'm here with this child that has that mental issue that you're not helping with. And the child, the student doesn't fail. The teacher fails. Anytime a student fails, you have to look at the teacher and how they're teaching. So now you could go ahead after I elaborate yeah, on it. I want to hear y'all point of views on it. Yeah, yeah, I, I wanted to um, hit on, I mean, because there was, there was a few things there. I mean, this, we got to do a whole bunch of unpacking. And it's not, um, to me, it's not always charter school versus public school, although I am mainly in a public school and I'm, I'm mainly catered to public school, so all of the demographics that come with that. But it really has to be a focus on the content that is being taught in the classroom and the relationship that is in the rapport that's being, that's, that's being built with the kids in the classroom. And the reason why I put the emphasis on that is because it was already brought up and I thought it was, you know, you know, um, the, the, the sister Raleen, Ms. Raleen hit the nail on the head. Like we have all of these alternatives of how to generate revenue, especially when you get down to the coding or whether if you're doing drop shipping or whatever it is, embracing technology. Like I said from the very beginning, I, I, it's a beautiful thing that we're embracing technology because the, re the reality is there's no age limit on entrepreneurship. You can start your own business at any age and you can generate money more than that minimum wage that you, that you hit on. So the, the content is really important and I think that's where the structures, when we talk about the system and what's delivered in the classroom, that's where we're dropping the ball because there's so much emphasis on common core and all of these other, uh, I, I'm not going to say that they're not important because you need to know math. You got to know science. You got to know living environment. So just like, all of those things are important. But when you talk about our youth that are dealing with different socio-emotional issues at home, a lot of time, my young men, the teenagers, the high school students, they're like, Mr. Hertog, I need to figure out how to make money. I got to take care of my family. That's, the, that's what the conversation about. It's not about trigonometry or geometry or any of that. Like that the conversation is, how am I going to generate revenue? And right now, we're in a day and age with the technology where anybody can generate revenue online we have all these platforms but how do you do it we're not putting the emphasis on that because a lot of our youth are interested like was mentioned before in the games okay you could be interested in the game but are you coding the game are you learning how to actually make the game that's made that everybody's using that you can generate revenue off are you learning how to build the website where you can sell your merchandise on your website? Or even if you don't build the website, you can sell your merchandise on Instagram. You want to be on IG. You want to be on TikTok. All of that is excellent. Uh, but can you yep. generate revenue? Okay. Okay. Yeah, so, Kareem, yeah, yeah, can I say open. something? Definitely. Wait, Kareem, let me just yeah. say this. Uh, my, my guys, I call them my guys. If, I used to tell them if only they use their, their, their talents for good right because they're yes. in there they are they are so smart right mm -hmm. and then we give them some clay to play with you understand when you're giving me clay to play with and i'm all of this then i'm thinking that i'm not all of this so stop playing these little games stop and another thing is you can teach them all day long you give them the right things and then they go oh oh miss moses i'm out of here i'm leaving i'm going home tomorrow and then they, <laughs> they in their mind they like oh i got all these dreams but guess what? They're going home to the same stuff that they left that got them there. So let's talk yeah. about that. We, could just, we need to go all the way back to the beginning, which is the household. I, didn't, I wasn't raised up. My father raised me. He was a father sinner, right? My father raised me. He was a father sinner. Bunch of drugs in my, in my life. So, I mean, I'm not even trying to hear, hear 
the, the story because everybody got a story. So when we yeah. need to take responsibility that we tired of this and we got to do better. I didn't go to correct Rikers Island with two master's degrees. I went there with a high school diploma, right? So, and ain't nobody was giving me nothing. But you have to say enough is enough. We can sit here and talk about what schools is better. Everything is whatever. It's us and our in these kids. That's really where we need to get so, with. So, we so need Ms. to get Raleen, with them. So excuse me, Miss Raleen. So you I'm sorry. Oh, okay. That's so, my last. I think, no, no, no. That's not your last. That was good. No, 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 no. no, no, no. I don't, I'm not trying to stop that. So I was, I'm just trying to, um, I'm, so to, to the point of, the point of, the point of the conversation of what you're saying is that we need to take accountability. Thank you. So, yeah, so now taking, but taking accountability, when you're telling a child that's probably, let's, let's, let's be honest, because I could give you my history. A child that was on the street at 11 years old. Me so too. So now you talk to a child at 11 years old, Mm -hmm. We wanted more for ourselves. Yes. We wanted better. So let's let's because every because you have your laws of average. You have your above average. You have your average, and you have your below average. Everybody only like it's like the kid in school. They only remember the the cute kid and the ugly kid. And so some kids want more. Some kids don't. Some kids just want to coast through life. Now, you you we're talking about let's yes let's have accountability and 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 and, and things of that nature. One of my favorite words, you know, you you have accountability, yes, but um, being accountable at a very young age, and you could be wise beyond your years, but you might not be able to go get that blue card. Uh, and a lot of people, for the viewers that might be watching, the blue card is when you um wanted to work summer youth. I actually, youth. Went my, I, I went for my first. Let me let me, and I can give you, let me give you the system. My mother got high. We all had these stories. We all come from these stories because we, we, we're, we're black. Um, I went and got a summer youth job. I didn't turn 13 until, until August. They let me work damn near the whole month of July and then told me, you can't work here. You're fired. You're not old enough. And did not pay me. Now, if my mother was smart enough, she could have had a lawsuit. But she wasn't interactive with me. So, you know, we have to have, like you said, black man needs to step up and and we need to be interactive in our community with with the children um and if anybody feels i'm wrong just let me know because i i think we all need to step up in a sense the but, women as well but but it, there's a lot of factors that go into it right and, and what i'm hearing is to my knowledge is that okay you got the youth who do actually want to do better for their family but how do you use that as motivation right to teach them something so they can learn how to make money. Now, the learning and, cheat, and teaching them something take time, right? That take development, right? That take time. For the meantime, their bellies are still hungry, right? They're still on the streets, right? Nobody home, right? Nobody's governing over them but those few hours in school. So there is a fine balance. So when I hear Ms. Pullins say something like, I dropped out of school, now I make six figures. It, it, and what I was saying about the charter school you were saying to relating to Ms. Pullins is that it's even more amazing how people making six figures today, especially in our communities, knowing that we came from those beginnings. So I think it's more amazing. You know what I'm saying? That's what I'm saying. So when we're thriving in charter well, schools. But, but twin, let me ask you a question. Let me, let, me, let, me let me reverse the question on you. Let me ask you a question. For a child that that is a need because you know even with the COVID, a lot of these children are not eating and they still depended right. on going to school just to eat what do you suggest they do like i said um to me it's always roof over your head first 
that got to be the first, like you getting fed, you getting eat. That that's 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 above everything. I mean, if you go back in the '60s when when they started putting us into housing projects, especially in New York, people lived in regular apartments. A lot of the community lived in regular apartments. A lot of them wasn't educated. A lot of them didn't know their names. A lot of them didn't know a lot of stuff. So what I'm saying is, in this time that we're in, right? I think it's amazing that we have a lot of technology, right? Like like uh, Kareem is saying, but also. We're not using the technology to the best of our ability, right? There's so much information online and, and we decide to take the time out to only do TikTok. We take the time, we take all our time to learn something else. So I, I think that's what I'm hearing in a nutshell, but what they should do, I feel, is take care of their family and themselves first, you know, because them being in the educational system is not really putting them first anyway. You know what okay, I'm saying? So, so now, now a child to take care of himself first. What yeah, he got to figure that. We got to figure that out. We got to so, figure that you out. You know, I mean, yeah. a lot of these children are not raking leaves. A lot of the, like once they leave home, mm -hmm. their um peers become their role models, influencers. Yeah, yes, the environment. Mm -hmm. So now, if if John Boy over here is slinging dope, dope could be anything. We you know in the south it could be anything. We whatever. Right. He's slinging dope. What you think he gonna do? Cause you know they always said there's no hope in dope. Mm -hmm. But if he sees his money and he could and he could get him a sandwich, then he could get him the sneakers. What you think is gonna happen? I mean, I mean, he gonna push that work. But what, what I'm trying to say is that there's plenty of people that I know in high school that sold drugs and they was educated, they were smart, and they was coming to school. Do you understand what I'm saying? But as far as them feeding themselves and feeding their family, they put that first. That's what I'm saying. So, so you're and then, and then, and then, and then Let me let me let me interject on that. And then after that. They ran into Miss Mrs. Pullins. <laughs> and Mrs. Pullins, can you explain what happens? Because then after that, they're gonna run into Miss Raleen. Well, basically what happens is they we used to have a group of kids. They used to come into Penn Station and sell candy. And we used to have to have conversations with them. And how that looked was that the conversation with them is I understand that you want to make money, but there has to be a better way. Like we've had conversations where you can arrest somebody and that's usually what happens. They get arrested. But the problem that becomes is what do you do while you're sitting there processing them? What conversations do you have? And the conversations I have with them, especially for our people, is to talk to them about my life and what I've experienced. So I share with them and say, hey, you don't have to be a police officer. You can find something else that you can do, especially in New York. That's what a lot of people don't realize. I've gone from different agencies that were offering free programs, whether it be computer science or whatever, because you have special programs that are up in New York as well that people don't know about. I think we're not putting enough resource information out for them. They're in environments where it's a closed environment. If you go into a particular project and you're not from that project, you're going to have a problem, period. Definitely. If I went from, from, from just sure. going from farmers to, to, to Southside or, you know, to Hollis or whatever, it could be a problem because I was, I was from farmers. So it's different, you know? So Mrs. Pullins, now they have a record for, for trying to do the right thing. Even if it's a little misdemeanor, they have a record for trying to do the right thing. Oh, yes. That, that's somewhat of a discouragement. Then, hold on, hold on, hold on, because I, I know you're going to light it up. Hold on, give me a second. Now, do you know that even if, okay, you said get your, um, I, I guess it's a panhandler's license, or I, I forgot exactly what it is, you know, when they on the street, like the, the food carts. 
they, you know, you, you know, you, American citizen is, is hard for them to get it. You have to either be a veteran or you have to be a foreigner to get it. Well, in New York, yeah, it's hard to get them everywhere, really, because they okay. usually yeah. they only use that for veterans for the most part. But they have veterans or it. foreigners. Well, I don't know about that part because most of the halal stands in New York City is foreigners. Well, I mean, it's just a matter of I don't know. I don't know what their requirements are, so I can't speak on that. Well, no, no, I'm not. I'm not but, saying. I'm not. But I do know that as far as the veterans, because I had to deal with them a lot because they were always out there. They always had, they, they did that so they can find a way to earn money. So they're a little bit different because they're, they didn't help them. Now the problem with us is they ain't helped us period. So we ain't got reparations first, second, third, last or nothing. So we haven't had that opportunity. Look how long it took for them to even help the veterans from Vietnam war. Because that's really who they're helping with those permits. They're giving them to Vietnam vets. They're giving them to all vets, but mostly Vietnam vets because they didn't treat them right when they came home. So that's one thing. But the issue that we have really is just a fact of, one, we're, they're in closed environments. They're in positions where they're not getting the resources that they need. They're not, they're not hearing from the right people because, no, we're not going back. We leave. <laughs> we move do, to you, do you believe, Ms. Pullins, that the resources is enough, though? Do you believe if we got all of the resources? There's, there's a lot of factors here, okay? Because right. we got a lot of things we're talking about here. We talked about education. That's another problem. Because mm -hmm. if you're not educated, guess where you're not going? You can't go but so far without an education, period. Um, you have the issues with them having financial struggles because whatever they're going through with their parents. So you, it's like you got to deal with the parents. You got to help pull the parents out some kind of way. And they got to be willing to do the work, too. And if they're not willing, then how do you deal with the kids? You got to find ways to get to the kids, whether it's in their schools, whether we need to go back into the schools. I'm not one for, I'm not big on charter schools. I feel like being in the South, what I've learned here um, from being in Florida and having that Southern mentality and dealing with all this racism crap that, that got going on down here in Jacksonville. But um, what I've learned is I was fighting to put my kids in particular schools because there's got a lot of magnets down here. They're not charters, they call them magnets because they're still part of the Duval County. They're still part of the school system, so they're not charters. We have separate charter schools, but we have magnet programs that are specialized schools. But what I noticed is that when I tried to get my kids in those schools, it was always a color issue. It was the issue with this fact that my kids, it wasn't the area, they found a way to, the, the red tape is always there, right? But the issue that I found is that my kids, they survived and they thrived in the schools that were in they went to the school that my father-in-law went to, that where he had to run the school because he was being chased because he had to go through the white schools, the white neighborhood to get to the black school, which is on the other east side of Jacksonville, which was so crazy to me. I was like, how is that? So anyway, with that being said, what I, what I realized is that my kids got college scholarships in sixth grade in the middle school, Title I school in the hood with the worst kids. They were honor roll students the whole time. So my thing is, we, I, I've been able to see different perspectives. My kids didn't thrive in New York. They weren't thriving up there. They thrived when I moved out of New York and put them in Delaware and then moved from Delaware to here. But the problem is, is that if we don't start going into those schools, I think the kids there did so well because we were willing to do the work. My husband and I were there all the time. And they could pick up a phone and call us and we would show up. We, and we would show up for the kids for everybody's kids, just like um, Allie was talking about. Just, we showed up for everybody. It's like, your parents not here? No problem. I'm here for all of y'all. 
just like we're here now. Like we're, we've been going out with all of these riots and, and these protests and stuff like that. And we're telling them, these kids losing their parents. Their parents are like, you walking with the black people? How dare you? So they're taking us on and they're saying, hey, y'all are parents now. It's like, all right, no problem. We have to step in for those that can't. Are we willing to step in? We're no, we've lost our village. We've lost our tribes. That's a lot of the issue. We've lost our tribes. We cannot, if we don't get these resources into the people, when I say resources, I mean, whether it be the parents, the kids, whether it be better educational skills, trade schools, I mean, even in the, 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 the prison system, they have schools, they had schools. They took the schools out, but they had schools. So, so Ms. Rulian, go ahead. Yeah, because yes. you know I'm about to bust. <laughs> <laughs> so, so let me just say on a couple of levels. Uh, I, I'm so, I, you know, I don't know how to fix this exactly because I know that it is, it goes all the way down and I'm really like, it's the, it starts with the family because we can sit here and blame everybody else, but it starts with the family. So with the, the, the men not being home with the kids and all of that, my father raised me, but my father only had a sixth grade grad, um, high school, I mean, a sixth grade education. So he was just quite happy if we got out of high school. Like, that was like major for like, oh Lord, Raleem and Deshaunah, they were out of high school, right? Oh. But anyway, bigger than that, the Department of Correction, when I was there, the, the, the count was 10,000, mm. right? And I used to say, if y'all let these people out, y'all paying $150,000 each person to keep them here, right? For one person. If you let them out and give, five, give one of them a job, you let five of them out, the amount you're paying for one person, you can give them five of them a job, cleaning up, and you... From you, you got to take care of Franklin and Fulton, the whole street, from near to near, everything and everybody. And you take care of Bethany and Nostrand, and you give them that, and then people feel like they worth it. Because even if you're paying them thirty to 40000 of the 150 you were giving one person in jail, you will make them feel worth it, like worth in, like you, like value, right? Because you spent, so now my, my, my thought is like, okay, it was 10000 now it's 3000 the, the, the count is about three thousand. How much? It went from ten thousand to three. So what are we doing with seventy, seven thousand people times one hundred and fifty? Where's that money going? One hundred and fifty thousand. Seventy thousand people is not seven thousand people are no longer in the Department of Correction that was getting paid one hundred. Where's that money going? Where that money could be going to the schools, to the streets, to to community centers, to art programs. I didn't go to school. I didn't get no high school, um, no, no um, degree right out of high school. But if I didn't have the, the community centers that we used to have, the, 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 the East, the summer programs that we used to go to, if I didn't have that, I, would have, I wouldn't even know what I would have been today. This is all right, 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 exactly.